You're listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by the sun. That's right, you can't have plants without the sun. The sun, converting hydrogen into helium and light for 4.6 billion years. Thank you for joining me on the very first episode of Rootbound. My name is Steve. So a few weeks ago, I was invited to be on another podcast called The Watering Hole, hosted by my friends Ashley and Maggie. And The Watering Hole is a really great podcast about animals and drinking wine. And while I had such a great time recording that podcast with them, I thought, maybe it's finally time that I start my own podcast. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of podcasts. In fact, there is a drinking game loosely based on that idea, that I love podcasts. But what would my podcast be about? Well, I've been getting super into plants lately. I've started a garden. Anytime I'm out and I see a plant that I don't recognize, I have to try to figure out what it is. And sometimes my wife will just catch me staring out my window, contemplating my garden and all the plants within it. And so... That's what you're listening to, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. On each episode, I'll have on a guest, and they will tell me about a plant that means something to them, and then I'll tell them about a plant that means something to me, and through this process, hopefully we will all learn more about plants and all learn more about each other. Now, one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is force myself to learn more about plants and, and how they work and just everything about them, and I hope that we can all do that together But in the meantime, just understand that I'm not super plant expert. And so if I get something wrong, let me know. Uh, I have an email address. It's rootboundpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to rootboundpodcast.com, the website, or on Instagram, at rootboundpodcasts. And with that, let's get into the first episode. It's a green world we live in. And lucky we are that it is. Yet how few of us realize the significance of the plants which make it green. So the very first guest on Rootbound is my friend Ashley. Ashley, uh, do you have a plant to tell me about? I do. I'm very excited about this plant. Uh, you told me to come with a plant that I had some kind of connection to. Um, and immediately I was trying to think of all these other plants and I just kept coming back to this plant. Um, and it's called the mimosa plant. Have mimosa? you heard of it? Oh. I think I have one in my backyard, but let's Do, let's uh, see if it is. That, okay, this is exciting then, because then I'll have to come and see if it is. Because a lot of times I think I see one, and then it's not, and it's very sad. But it might very well be. Um, so, yes, they are in the United States, but the first time I came across one, uh, I was actually in Indonesia. Um, it was like my first big trip in grad school, like out of the States. Just kidding. It wasn't in grad school. During undergraduate. Um, and we were about to get on a boat when we were in Indonesia and our professor stopped us. Like we were covered with all of our gear and everything, but he's like, wait, you need to see something. So we thought he was going to bring us over to show us like an orangutan or like some kind of monkey or some kind of creature. And instead it was this little tiny plant that they kind of look like little tiny ferns. Um, but it's a mimosa plant. And the thing that's really cool about it is when you touch it, it's leaves fold up on itself as like a defense mechanism. 
but not like really slow, like really fast kind of like Venus flytraps where like you can see it. You don't have to just like speed up the time to watch a plant move. It just moves really fast and closes its leaves. That is super cool. I don't know if the one in my backyard does it. There's mm-hmm. a tree. It's actually not in my backyard. It's coming over the fence. Yeah. And I've heard it called a mimosa tree. It's got these like um, <gasps> uh, big purple flowers when they're small because ah. we've had some seeds in yeah. the in the in the yard um when they're small they do close up but i don't think they close up when you touch them so this might be one of those situations where um there's some plants called the same thing which is pri- yeah. quite common with plants but they do have are they like okay so they do have a flower which when i saw i didn't know they had a flower until i was looking into them more and the flowers look like the flowers in horton here's a who from dr seuss yeah, yeah, they're, they're like, like round purpley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was trying to remember what those were called in Do- in Doctor Seuss. So I googled Doctor Seuss horn here's a who flower, and then mimosa plants came up immediately. So oh, they're okay. they're just called flowers in Doctor Seuss, but they're specifically, I guess, the mimosa plant flowers. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up right now. Horton <laughs> here's a who flower. Oh, okay. So this is definitely different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, those are cool. So, okay. So there, there must be a, a tree that is called a mimosa tree that is different. So this is a completely different thing that I'm thinking of. It's more like a, <laughs> a smaller plant. I was thinking. So, so did you did you look up some other stuff about it? Some other interesting things about the plant? Yeah. Well, so one, if you know me, I love the the names of Latin names of species. Mm-hmm. Um. So this one's called mimosa pudissa or put. Pudessa, Pudica, I'm not sure, but P-U-D-I-C-A. I also know about you that you don't pronounce them very well. <laughs> no, that is also um, correct. Uh, but so the second part, P-U-D-I-C-A, means shy, bashful, or shrinking. Oh. Because when you touch them, mm-hmm. they fold up like they're just being a little shy, um, oh, which I just so think is, is the is the genus name. Yes. Oh, so maybe maybe what I have is also a mimosa but a different one. That's I'm going to look this up and I'll follow up on that at a later time. Yeah. So, so they're, they're shy mimosas. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Very interesting. <laughs> did, did, is there anything else of note you uh, um, learned about this plant? Well, oh, yeah. Well, so it has a bunch of other names. It's also called the sensitive plant, sleepy plant, action plant, touch me not, shame plant, zombie plant, <laughs> or shy plant. So there's a theme oh. there. Yeah. Um, honestly, the most exciting thing was the Horton Here's a Who flower because my mom loves Dr. Seuss. Um, so I felt a connection. Um, they So they're native to um, South and Central America, um, but now they're a pantropical weed. So you can find them in the Southern United States, South Asia, East Asia, South Africa as well. So you can find them kind of all over the place. Uh, sometimes they're a bit of a weed, um, but they're pretty small. Uh, but apparently they can be toxic to cattle. So they do they do come with some problems. Um, I did look up some of like what the science was behind the leaves. The shyness? The yeah, like why they do what they do. Um, and it's real complicated. It's probably not really complicated. <laughs> sure. But for me it's complicated. Um, basically Is it, there any it, takeaways? Yeah. I would say it involves um, I learned what the pulvinus is. Of a, of a leaf it's a joint thickening at the base of leaves how, how wait paul venice how do what is it what letter did that start with p 
uh-huh. Paul um, Venice sounds like a person. It does. I just oh. give Paul Venice a call. <laughs> I love it. I love Paul Venice yeah. as a yeah. person. Oh, that's a good educational yep. children's show. That's going to happen yeah. now. Paul Venice. Um, but basically, it like when so it they'll shrink up if they'll they're touched if you put like if they're heated if they're really warm they'll also like sh- shrivel up close up um, and it has something to do with um, what is it uh, a, an electrical potential kind of like nerve cells where like it releases turgor was mentioned it releases energy there's potassium that flows followed by water. So that's my takeaway. <laughs> my favorite, though, I was reading a line about how to describe how it how it does what it does. Um, and this is what it said. And I read it and felt very stupid. Where is it? Mm-hmm. Good, you can just pour. Oh, here it is. I, and honestly, then I read it again. And I was like, oh, this is just fancy talk. It's uh, oh, it's what the what the, how this was how the the leaves were described, which really it just kind of looks like a tiny fern because it has like a lot of really separate leaves. Or as I read, the leaves are bipennately compound with one or two pinia pairs and 10 to 26 leaflets per pinna. Very good. This So this is one thing about doing this podcast. One thing I want to learn in this podcast is all mm-hmm. that plant talk about yeah. like pinnate what and all that stuff, what that means. So if someone yeah. says it, I can imagine the plant in my head right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Nope. Do you so, any of those words? Do you know what they mean? Um, so I think pinna is like the, the separate little tiny leaves. So another way it was described as feather-like. So if you look <laughs> at a feather, okay. there's like a stem in the middle and then off mm-hmm. of each side, the pinna are like not, I don't even know what the, what the feather part of a feather is like flowy part I'm, yeah. I'm visually showing steve with my hands which is not helpful on a podcast <laughs> yeah we're, but, we have a video link going which is yeah totally uh, relevant to the listeners um but yeah so think of it kind of like it's not like one leaf where it's just like one surface it's a bunch of little long leaves that go up the side and so i think those are what pinna are so by pinnately means there's like one on each side of the stem um, and then the little leaflets go up the side. That sounds good. I think that sounds correct. <laughs> I will um, I will fact check that. And if there's anything wrong, I'll correct it in a later Thank you. episode. Also, let um, me know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. But that's part of my goal here is to force myself to learn some of this language because I've yeah I think it'd be cool. Yeah, to know that stuff. I think it's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you're going to mention my other podcast or not. Oh but, oh oh yeah for sure the watering but, hole. Yeah. Uh, but it's just interesting because when I usually do research, I'm researching animals, which most animal lingo and like biology in that sense, I understand. And then I realized that the plant world was like a whole different world where they would say things. And I'm like, ah, plants are different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're also, I think one one thing that's interesting about them is that, you know, even like, even like bugs and stuff, like the way that we work is pretty similar. Like mm-hmm. we eat and we drink and we poop and that's all the pretty the same, right? Yeah. But plants, it's a whole other kind of world. Oh, um, yeah. And, and so it's kind of a, another level to start understanding them. And then don't even get me started on, on fungus. That's just a whole other oh. crazy thing, which I might talk about fun- fungus in this podcast, even though it's technically not a plant. Um, but it might fall into the purview at some point. Well, um, people need to yeah. know. So do you have any, any other fun facts about the mimosa? Um, 
let's see what else do i got well so it's interesting they're not exactly sure why they evolved to be this way i think the one that makes the most sense to me is that um it makes them less attractive to herbivores that are grazing or any kind of plant predator which i guess is an herbivore um because they'll get nice and small so they're harder to see and they don't look as yummy um there are other theories though um Girls in my notes. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Um, another oh, another theory is that it prevents water loss from evaporation. So especially like if it gets oh, yeah. warm, uh-huh. the water won't evaporate from the leaves. But it's also interesting because it's energetically expensive to do this, so it takes a lot of energy. And then they also don't photosynthesize as well when their leaves are folded. So right, to me, it makes right. more sense that like if a predator's coming, it's worth losing some of that to fold up and not get eaten. Um, but then also because of this plant movement, they're used a lot in like research. So they're being used to oh, test okay. habitual learning in plants. Oh, wow. Like, I never see, even knew that could be a thing. Right. So I don't, I didn't see how successful, um, the research was going, but they're using them because they have this reaction to see if essentially plants can learn, which is cool which i i think plants probably can learn i i, I, would say I it's so. interesting to see whether they can learn in this kind of stimulus response on a human time scale mm-hmm. um because so few plants have that fast action right you could probably like count them pretty easily the number of plants that have yeah quick quick movement like this very interesting um, so you said, well, you said you were in Indonesia when you saw this, is that, that yeah, was that right? was the first time I saw it. And what, what about that, um, like made it stick in your brain? Um, I think it's just because I've always liked plants. Like I have just like, cool, plants are cool, but I've always, plants are slow. You know, I've always thought of like plants are just plants. And this was one of the first times other than like a Venus flytrap where I saw a plant like instantly react, um, to, outside stimulus um and then my professor was telling me how it's energy energetically expensive for a plant to do this and then i felt bad because i literally had gone around to all the mimosa plants touching them and making them close up and it was the first time i felt like sympathy for a very specific plant in front of me like i feel sympathy for the planet but like i felt bad that i had affected this plant interesting yeah that's that's very interesting um yeah But then, so there's other plants that kind of look like it because it kind of looks like a little fern. So I'll see them all the time. So a lot of times like hiking, if I see them, knowing that they do exist in this, uh, in parts of the United States, I'll see it and I'll just go up and like try to plant, to touch it, to see if it'll move, to see if I have found another mimosa um, plant. So it's something that's always stuck with me and causes me to touch a lot of plants. Another sight that is interesting and amusing is the mimosa podica that holds its bipinnate leaves when touched. Dear, dear, look what it does. Sensitive plant to you. Very cool. Uh, well, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, do you mind if I, I tell you about a plant? Uh, of course I don't mind. So I'm here, oh, great. Steve. Great, great. Um, let me pull up my notes here. Uh, oh, did I close them like an idiot? <laughs> Um, that's all right that we're gonna um, we're gonna I'm gonna cut this anyway so let me load this back up how did I close my notes that was so stupid I think I can pull them up on my phone even faster actually oh very good so the plant that I am going to tell you about is uh, it's called um, 
bittercress or oh. hairy bittercress. Oh. Even though it's not that hairy. Um, it's huh. its Latin name is cardamine hirasuta or cardamine hirasuta. I never know how to pronounce the Latin stuff either. No. But I first encountered, well, I was first conscious of this plant last spring. So as Ashley, you know that uh, my wife Carla and I bought a house a little over a year ago. And so last spring was the first spring with a yard. Mm-hmm. And I had to start mowing the lawn. Um, and when you start mowing the lawn, or at least I did, I started becoming aware of all the plants that are around in the lawn and all the different weeds. Um, part of the reason why I want to start this podcast is because I'm out in the garden all the time. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a new guy. Who are you? <laughs> um, and so I started looking up and I was um, starting to use the weed whacker on these tall weeds. And every time I moved through them, this like, this like spray of little white things burst out. And I was like, are those are those bugs jumping away from me? And they look like they would jump away. I'm like, that's what, what is that? But everywhere I went in the whole yard, just like spraying like hundreds of little like white flecks. I'm like, that's really crazy. So then I got down really close. I like on my hands and knees and was looking at these plants and I, and I shook one and I could see these little things fling off of the plant. Mm-hmm. And these plants are very thin. Um, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll explain what they look like later. Cause I have a few like fancy, you know, uh, plant terminology that I learned um, but anyway they're pretty small plants and they're like little seed pods are pretty small but if you move them their seed shoots out and if you get your hands on one of the seeds it looks like a little spring very very oh. tiny spring mm-hmm. tan color spring and it's been hard for me to figure out exactly what the mechanism is because they're pretty small and I've looked online and the descriptions haven't really stuck in my head yet but I think basically they have tension along the length of the pod and when they move that tension is released and they coil up and they shoot off and i was like oh that's really cool that's that's pretty neat this plant a spring loaded plant <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's all over my yard in fact apparently it's one of the most common weeds uh everywhere mm-hmm. it's native to europe and, and asia but it's introduced here and introduced almost every other place so it's like everywhere but i didn't experience it till actually was like mowing my lawn at the time of year when it's shooting its seeds everywhere um, and then I, I, uh, I think I looked up what it was and I figured it out, but I kind of put it in the back of my head. Um, well, the only thing that I thought at the end of that year is like, man, I'm going to have a lot of these things next year. Cause their seeds just <laughs> went all over <laughs> went the lawn. Everywhere. Um, so that's one thing I, you know, trying to learn how to find the balance of, of a lawn. And I don't want my lawn to all be one species. I think that's stupid, mm-hmm. but I also don't necessarily want all one crazy jumping <laughs> spring loaded plant. Yeah. Um, but then a few months ago, Carl and I went on this foraging walk. There's a guy in D.C. Uh, who like does these foraging classes mm-hmm. to teach you how to find wild edible food. And we were looking, we we're actually learning about maple and how to tap maple trees on that trip. But we we're also incidentally seeing any other plants we saw. And he pointed out this little plant called bittercress. And I was like, oh, that's the thing <laughs> I have in my backyard. And when they first come up, they actually one of the first plants to come up in the winter. Like it can almost still be winter, not even quite spring yet, and they'll start to come up. And when they're really young, they form a a basil rosette. That's my fancy uh, $10 plant word. Basil, from what I understand, means base. So mm-hmm. it's at the base of the plant. And a rosette is a, a circular pattern of leaves. Okay. So so when it comes up, actually, a dandelion is also have a, has a basil rosette of leaves, if you oh, can think okay. of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but this, this, um, has a bunch of different leaves. They're compound leaves, which I think are pinnate maybe. 
Maybe. It's a small, <laughs> it's a small stem with smaller leaves coming off to the left and right. Mm -hmm. So that's that's if you can imagine a center and then a bunch of little stems coming off of it in a rosette pattern, and then uh, those all have leaves. Well, those leaves are edible and they're quite tasty. It's, oh. it's called bitter cress because it's a cress. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Um, a little bit bitter, but not really. It's called bitter okay. crest, but it's not super bitter. Gotcha. Um, and so after I learned about that, I went home to my yard and I picked a bunch of bitter crest and I made pesto from it. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was actually very, very delicious pesto. Oh, wow. So I did it, I think, one more time and then a little bit more towards the beginning of spring, they send up a flower stalk. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the leaves start to getting more spindly and thin and more woody and it's not as tasty anymore. So gotcha. I still have a lot of bitter crust in my yard, but it's starting the process of creating seeds and it's not really the best time to like eat it anymore. I'll still pull what pull one up every now and then and just bite off the, the flower part. It's that's tasty. The flower you um, can eat too? Yeah, you can eat the whole plant. It's just the best part is like the tender leaves when they're young. Gotcha. Um so that's that's kind of the personal relationship I have with this plant. A couple other maybe facts to learn about it. Um so yeah, it has these little tiny seed pods. So you imagine a a, a stalk coming up the center from the basil rosette. Mm -hmm. And then at the very tip, there's a tiny, tiny white flower. It's very, very small. Almost just looks like a little fleck of something on the top. And then all up and down this the central stalk are these little seed pods. And they look like micro green beans or oh. like peas. They're very, very tiny. Like they're maybe like half an inch long. I don't know how many millimeters. But that's where the seeds are, and you can kind of see the seeds in there. But, but it's I've been trying to get maybe I captured it, and I might post this on Instagram of like trying to shoot in slow mo this the seeds popping off. Oh, that'd be um, cool. But it's hard to really see exactly the moment when it happens. But we'll see mm -hmm. how, how that goes. Um, it's called hairy bittercress because, especially a little bit later, there are small hairs. I I wouldn't have called it hairy bittercress because it's not <laughs> that hairy. But I guess there are other bittercresses that don't have that so this one is called hairy bittercress gotcha um, I, I have to ask you then if it wasn't hairy yeah. bittercress what kind of bittercress would you call it if you had to give uh, it an adjective hmm tasty bittercress well all right all right that seems yeah. counter counterproductive to the bitter part of bittercress but yeah yeah but you know so not everything <laughs> that's bitter is not tasty um true that's you know yeah so it's <laughs> actually a member of the of the brassica family uh, mm. if you're familiar you, are you familiar with brassicas no Brassicas include things like broccoli and oh. kale. Oh, well, then yes, I am familiar. And turnip <laughs> and turnip um, and a bunch of other things like that. Actually, broccoli and kale are actually the same species. They're just different cultivars. That's another thing to talk about. Oh, wow. But it's in the brassica family. They're also called the cruciferae family. Brass, bra, brassic, brassicaceae or I'm cruciferae is the family. You're as good yeah. at pronouncing things as I am. Makes me feel, yeah. Yeah. feel good. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to load up. I also closed the browser at one point. I had the wiki up. I wanted to read some um, some of the names. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so other names. Um, it is also known as uh, lamb's cress, land cress, hoary bitter cress, oh. spring cress, flickweed, shotweed, um, or stoon. Which apparently I, I, is in old English. Wow, I thought flickweed was going to be my favorite, but then you you came in with stoon, and 
That might be my favorite <laughs> name. This is an interesting thing where we you know when you on Wikipedia and you go down a rabbit hole. Um, the last thing is, as Old English, stoon is the uh, the plant is cited as one of the herbs invoked in the pagan Anglo-Saxon nine herbs charm recorded oh. in the sixth century, which is apparently a magical healing charm that involves nine herbs and bittercress was one of them. Wow. So you can look that up if you want. <laughs> the nine herbs. So anyway, yeah, nine herb charm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the plant. It's in my yard. I've eaten it. It's pretty tasty and um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool little little weed, you know, that's it's an interesting, you know, it's, a, it's an introduced species could be considered invasive with plants even more than animals i think that line gets pretty fuzzy as to what is invasive and what is not um but you know one cool thing is because even though it's invasive you can eat it and you can help get rid of it and you can also eat something so that's a that's a kind of a two double whammy right there yeah yeah totally so anyway that's that's bittercress oh that's so cool yeah well, um, Ashley, I want to thank you for coming on the very first episode of Rootbound, and uh, maybe we'll have you on again, and we can talk about some more plants. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to learn more about plants. I'm excited that I had to learn more for for today. It was it was new to it was exciting to to research something different from animals from one for once, but just as interesting. A recipe for bittercress pesto. Collect bittercress in the very early spring, really the late, late winter. Pull the rosettes from the ground and separate them from the roots. Keep the leaves and discard the roots. Wash thoroughly and dry. To make the pesto, start by weighing your bittercress and use the classic pesto ratio, one to two to two to eight. That is one part nuts, two parts oil, two parts cheese, and eight parts greens. For example, if you have 80 grams of bittercress, then you will need 10 grams of nuts, 20 grams of oil, and 20 grams of cheese. For the nuts, pine nuts are classic, but you can also use pecans, walnuts, or hazelnuts. For the oil, olive works well, but so does sunflower. For the cheese, parmesan or any dry hard cheese should do. Put all of the ingredients in a bowl and blend with an immersion blender. If not using immediately, transfer to a glass storage container and cover with a thin layer of oil. So that was the first episode of Rootbound. Thank you so much for listening. Um, A couple of notes. Uh, After I spoke with Ashley about the really cool plant, Mimosa pudica, I stumbled across a really great TED Talk where you can watch the plant wilt, and the scientist there describes a lot of how the mechanisms that make the plant do what it does. So that's really cool. If you Google Mimosa TED Talk, I'm sure you'll find it. And there's also a recent episode of Radiolab where they also talk about the mimosa and its ability to learn. So definitely check both of those things out. It's a really cool plant. Um, Another thing that I looked up is the tree in my backyard. It is called mimosa, but it is not the same plant, of course, because it is not, it is a tree, not a small plant. And I, I was able to glean that because the leaves look kind of similar, they started calling the tree after the plant, but it's more often called a Persian silk tree. So that's the deal with a plant in my backyard. Not the same one that Ashley was talking about, but still cool nonetheless. And maybe I'll do 
a deep dive on that tree at some point. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening to the first episode of Rootbound, and we'll catch you next time. This episode of Rootbound featured Ashley Holmes. When she's not stuck inside, Ashley is a video producer specializing in bringing together wildlife, education, and the environment. She also co-hosts The Watering Hole, a podcast devoted to sharing her love of wildlife, conservation, and wine. You can find it at thewateringholepod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington. That's me. Theme music by Christian Kriegeskota. Additional music by Jane Louie. Fake ads by Dave Lanny. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, may I recommend observing a new plant? You can tell me about it if you like. Send me a message at rootboundpodcast.com or on Instagram at rootboundpodcast. The sun. It is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear furnace, and has been for 4.6 billion years.